Today's episode is brought to you by McLean Middleton, providing trusted legal services to businesses throughout the region for over 100 years. Hi, everybody. This is Amanda Andrews, the Associate Editor of New Hampshire Business Review, coming at you with this week's Down to Business podcast. Our guest this week is Alyssa Thompson, the Senior Director of Programs over at Breathe NH, um, which is a nonprofit whose primary resource uh, for lung health information and programming in our state. So welcome, Alyssa. It's great to have you. Thank you, Amanda. I'm glad to be here. Um, So can you start off by sharing a little bit about what Breathe NH's mission is and your role? Sure. So Breathe New Hampshire, um, we've actually been around since 1916. Um, Back then, though, we were focused on tuberculosis. Uh, That's really no longer the case these days, at least in New Hampshire. Uh, So our mission is really to eliminate lung disease and really improve the quality of life uh, for those living with lung disease in our state. And as my role, Senior Director of Programs, uh, really my day-to-day is involved in the overall program planning and implementation for the organization. Uh, We are a statewide uh, organization. And so really looking at what are the issues uh, relative to respiratory health uh, concerning New Hampshire residents and what are the issues that are affecting them. What um, you do a lot of programs, which you have um, a vaping program, you have some COPD, the COPD Connect, which is always great. Um, Can you share a little bit about what programs you offer and what they're uh, trying to help? Absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, the COPD Connect program, that was really a program that came out of the pandemic, uh, really trying to meet people where they are. Um, We started doing it virtually. Now we're at a hybrid model, Uh, but it's really for those living with COPD in New Hampshire, um, a way to connect them with resources and education and information, but also to connect them with each other. Uh, We're talking about a population um, living with a serious lung disease. And so they've been by and large, very isolated for the past couple of years. So it's really important for our organization to connect with those people and really you know, let them know that we're still here and we wanna connect them with each other. Because again, a lot of those folks, they really, they really weren't getting out. Um, so that's one of the, the, the key programs for COPD. Um, you also mentioned vaping. So on the opposite end of that, uh, we're really focused on working with young people, specifically teenagers. Um, obviously, we all know about the teen vaping epidemic in this country. And so we developed a program called Vaping Unveiled um, back in 2018, really in response to schools and parents contacting us because all of these kids were vaping in school. And um, so that program really tries to educate young people to help them make healthy and informed decisions um, and really trying to prevent this next generation of lung disease, whatever that may look like. Um, Vaping is still so new um, for the most part. And, and, you know, I want to just clarify that we're not, um, the program doesn't really focus with adults that are trying to quit smoking cigarettes. We recognize that uh, there may be a harm reduction benefit to that. Um, However, with teens, we're really focused on, you know, young people and their tobacco initiation. And, you know, it used to be cigarettes and now it's really um, 
with vaping. So the other aspect of that program is really trying to help teens quit. We know now that so many of them are addicted. So again, it's really trying to connect them with resources, let them know that we support them, we want to help them um, break that nicotine addiction because we know that um, so often many of them will go on to use other tobacco products, including cigarettes, and we know the toll of tobacco and smoking related illness. So really trying to, again, meet them where they are. Um, we've offered virtual programs. We're glad to be getting back out into the schools now. Um, but yeah, really just support them and let them know the information and the education because that's really what it's all about. That's great to see that you're able to get back into schools because I know that that was probably um, stopped because of the pandemic, but um, was, and I think, you know, based on what I, what I know of the organization is that you, the pandemic really kind of brought about this idea of public health um, or not brought it about, but, you know, it made it kind of more front of mind. Um, so was there anything, um, you know, what was your what were your challenges during the pandemic and was there anything that came about during that time that is stuck and you're um, continuing to following through whether it's a program or a service yeah i mean i think every company and organization right they face their challenges during the pandemic um you know i think some of the challenges for us were just not being able to be out there um doing programming getting out there into communities um, we have a registered lobbyist on staff, so, you know, doing all of the virtual statehouse sessions, not being able to get up to Concord, um, those kinds of issues, of course, and really trying to, like everybody, adapt to this world where you have to deliver programs virtually. Um, going back to our COBD program, there were challenges with that because that's not a population that really early on embraced the technology and computers. Um, so really trying to work with our partners in hospitals that had some of those closer relationships. And in fact, many of them were calling patients. We were calling people. Um, we initially started COPD Connect by telephone because that was the way to meet them where they were. Um, so yeah, we, we definitely had to adjust our programming and our approach. I think um, some of that, of course, has stayed with us. I mean, we still offer our programs hybrid and virtually because I, I do think that's here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, it makes things convenient for people. Um, so that's certainly stayed, stayed with us and, and we've had to adapt programs that way. You know, I think some of the other challenges, though, is not being able to do programs um, in the traditional way. So, for an example, one of the programs we actually did last week is we offer continuing medical education um, for healthcare providers. And we have done those in the past in person, large conferences. Um, so, obviously, we had to put a pause on how we did that. Um, but last week, we were able to all be back together. Um, for many of those folks, it was a challenge because, of course, we all know about staff shortages and the healthcare uh, community is no exception. And so to be back together, many of them said it was their first in-person conference that they had been to in a couple of years. Um, and, you know, even for us, we realized some lessons at that conference that, you know, maybe these large in-person conferences are not coming back in the way that we did a few years ago. Um, so I think for us overall, you know, a lot of challenges with program delivery and reaching people and then really re-examining and re-evaluating constantly how we're doing things um, and having to be creative and innovative. 
Um, I think just another quick challenge I'll mention is staffing. Um, again, there's staff shortages everywhere. Um, our organization is no exception. We are now a staff of seven. So uh, we don't have marketing, we don't have IT. Um, so we've all taken on more uh, responsibilities and roles outside of the scope of our job descriptions, if you will. Uh, I think that's the nature of working in nonprofit is that you do that anyway. Uh, but certainly um, with our smaller staff size, just everyone kind of taking on more. Um, and so, you know, that can present challenges as well. Yeah, definitely a lot going on. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's absolutely. good to see that you guys have have uh, blossomed, if not, you know, continued to to offer the services that you do. Um, but you mentioned lobbyists, and I um, I'm curious if you know of any legislation that's coming up that the organization is focusing on, or if there's any that um, uh, you're really looking to provide information on, or fight against, or fight for. Yeah, so I think the ongoing, um, some of the ongoing legislation really focusing around um, obviously tobacco and, and nicotine issues. Um, I think one of the things that we're also going to be really looking at more closely is anything related to climate. Um, so that's another big area of focus that our organization is jumping headfirst into. Um, just recognizing that that is the human health emergency that we can no longer ignore. So I do think uh, from a policy perspective, anything sort of related to that, um, air quality emissions, you know, anything that's sort of contributing under that climate umbrella is going to be a priority for us uh, coming up. Um, and again, I think um, with the legislation looking at the tobacco issues, uh, again, what can we do to from a policy perspective to protect the citizens of New Hampshire, protect young people, um, and what does that all look like? And we can't go at it alone. So a lot of our policy initiatives are in partnerships with other organizations. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. McLean Middleton is one of New England's premier full-service law firms, with headquarters in Manchester, New Hampshire, and offices in Concord and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Woburn in Boston, Massachusetts. McLean Middleton has over 100 attorneys in five locations and has been providing trusted legal services to businesses throughout the region for over 100 years. A full-service law firm with practice areas in corporate, tax, employment, litigation, trusts and estates, energy and environment, intellectual property and privacy, and data security, to name just a few. McLean Middleton's commitment to their clients, community, and colleagues has helped them to establish and maintain long-standing relationships as trusted advisors. Whether you are starting your business, growing your business, or preparing to sell your business, McLean Middleton has the experience to guide you through the complexities of the legal system. For a complete listing of their practice areas, attorneys, and locations, visit www.mclane.com. I, it's, you know, I saw online that Breathe NH had a part in helping pass the 2007 state law about prohibiting smoking in bars and restaurants. And, you know, as a little a side note, I recently went to a trip on to Las Vegas and of course you can smoke freely in casinos. Um, and I'm curious if there's any precedent or movement for eliminating public smoking in those establishments, or if that's just one area that is not able to be touched 
due to the way of uh, gamblers. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's kind of its own animal, if you will. Um, casinos kind of go by a little bit different rules there in that regard. Um, yeah, I mean, in fact, as you mentioned in 2007, when New Hampshire passed that law, Breathe New Hampshire was pivotal in helping that happen. And many of your audience, I'm sure, will remember the days when you went into a restaurant and there was like a half wall separating the smoking from the non-smoking sec section. And also just thinking about the, the workforce, right? The hostesses, the serving staff um, that were all exposed to that secondhand smoke. Um, I can't say or know of any precedent right now as far as the casino angle. I mean, here in New Hampshire, we don't have too many casinos. Um, I mean, certainly Vegas is its own thing. You know, I think one of the challenges when you talk about that is, um, you know, when you look at the population um, smokers, there is that correlation also with gambling in some ways. And so I think that that's going to be a challenge because you don't want to exclude a group. But that being said, I think it's Mohegan Sun or Foxwoods, um, you know, in Connecticut, they're smoke free. So a lot of it really depends on what the tobacco laws are in that state. Very true. I just thought it was very interesting because a lot of the, you do a lot of secondhand smoke, um, services and programs and or just knowledge and research that you provide. So I just thought it was very interesting because in this day and age, sometimes you forget uh, exactly. that because we're so used to, you know, no smoking indoors. So I think it's just, it was very interesting to see how different it could be state to state for sure. Exactly. And the same thing, like if you travel, you know, um, over to Europe and in different countries, you really just smoking is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And it just feels sort of like, you know, again, just something that we're, we're not accustomed to anymore. Now, I also noticed that um, Breathe NH also funds uh, research, which I think is extremely good, um, not just for our future knowledge and what the, the public can learn about, but sorry, where does that usually come from, the funding for providing that for uh, research, or um, is it mostly donations, or um, I'm just curious how, how that is gets funded? Yeah, so we actually have a specific research fund um, called the Mary Fuller Russell Fund. And so again, like all of our fundraising, um, so much of it comes from individual donors and corporate partners. Um, so we do have, um, you know, we do have people that earmark their donations for the research. Obviously, research is so critical to treating lung diseases and prevention and, and, and ultimately, hopefully, curing. Um, so that's a major part of our focus is in addition to providing programs and education and obviously advocating for public health initiatives, it is, it is focusing on the scientific research. So um, again, the funding, you know, it gets sort of just like with any nonprofit sort of channeled into different buckets. And so there is the sort of the research arm of things. That's always a good thing. <laughs> Um, is there any, um, I know we were talking about challenges earlier, but are there any um, areas where you're looking for business partners or is there an avenue that you are, you y'all are looking to explore that's new? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly, um, 
you know, I think one of the challenges too for us is, so we've been very fortunate to have some generous benefactors, um, but I think for us reaching new and younger donors is certainly a challenge. I think through some of the work that we're going to be doing with climate that may um, bring about um, a group of people that are exceptionally passionate about it as arguably they may be the most affected by it. Um, you know, as I mentioned before too, having a smaller staff, we don't have IT, we don't have marketing on site. Those are certainly areas that, um, you know, looking at business partnerships and opportunities, those would certainly be areas. Another thing, um, so we have a couple of fundraisers during the year, or we have one in particular, we do a golf classic up at Lake Winnipesaukee Golf Club in September. Um, but then we also have something called the Fun Pass, which is uh, a longstanding coupon book that provides discounts uh, to families um, for attractions all around New England, amusement parks, museums, zoos. So it kind of just doesn't really have anything to do with lung health, but that's been one of our primary fundraisers for years. Um, so a couple of years ago, again, sort of aligning with um, the pandemic, we were on this road of exploring developing an app. And so for a variety of reasons earlier this year, we had to pull the plug. It was a difficult decision, but it was the right decision uh, because we realized that the process just wasn't going to end in the result that we envisioned. Um, so certainly, you know, but that is an area again of trying to meet young families and parents. I mean, everybody now lives on their smartphones. So obviously having an app for our fun pass would be um, would be a really big win for us. Um, so it's just again finding sort of the partners and the folks in the business community to help us with that initiative. I think that's a very smart idea. So hopefully that can that can come to pass. And if any listeners listening to this, um, how can they reach out to you um, or the organization in general? Yeah. So contact us on our we have our website breathenh.org. Uh, all of our information is on there. All of our emails are on there. Um, they can certainly call us as well. Um, but yeah, it's I think it's so critical, especially for nonprofits, um, to have those business partnerships and to build those community relationships. Um, you never really know too who has a connection to the cause. Um, and even for people that don't, you know, I think one of the things that we really try to do is let people know that your resources, your time, your energy, it's all staying in the state, it's local, um, it's staying in the communities. And again, being a small organization does afford us to be somewhat nimble and responsive to the needs of what is happening here. Um, so yeah, we'd love to hear from people if they have sort of any, um, any business interests with app development, marketing, IT, all of the above. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I just want to say thank you for joining us this week, um, Alyssa Thompson at Breathe NH. I think it's it's a great organization, and I'm glad that y'all are here and helping helping us with our lung health. It's very important. I feel like everybody's touched by it at some point in their lives, whether it's asthma, COPD, you know, all the above. So um, thanks from me and Jeff, who was unable to join us today, but thanks again for talking with us, and hopefully we can uh, make that connection for you for for the app. Great, and thanks again for having me. Really appreciate it. Of course. So this, for everybody listening, this is Amanda Andrews signing off saying be well, everybody.